I want to say that um, continue some reading, and this is almost like a follow-up as to the last time I spoke about us being co-heirs with Christ, um, an inheritance that we receive. Once we're adopted into the family of God by believing in Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins and rose again, we're filled with his Holy Spirit, and we have a new spiritual rebirth. We are born again, okay? Um, not of the will of man, not of blood, but of his spirit, the Bible says. And with that, we are adopted into God's family. We have a new family. We have a new position, right? We have new roles, and we have a new eternal destination. Um, and with that, there is a great position that he's put us in as far as our status and our acceptance um, and how we are viewed before God the Father. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have inherited um, something incorruptible, the Bible tells us, that cannot fade away to reserved in heaven for us. We are seated at an equal position with Christ, if you can believe that. If you haven't heard the last message I was talking about, I'll touch on it, how because we are now adopted into the family of God through Jesus, through faith in Christ, he brings us, elevates us up to that status, and we are co-heirs with Christ. We have inherited all things that God has promised his son, and we are made sons and daughters, right? Because the Bible tells us he is not ashamed to call us his brethren, right? So we now have this position, and... With it being Christmas, we think about baby Jesus, right, in the manger. And baby Jesus, why he's here. Who is Jesus? What did he come for, right? And at this, we're here Wednesday night. We should know and understand without that being explained to us, right? Okay, first, you know, he came to fulfill prophecy. He came to testify to the truth, right? And he came to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, right? So we won't go backwards. We'll move forward here. And... The text today is taken from Romans 8, 14 to 18. If you'll turn there, the title of the message is Love Suffers Long. Now, just briefly, that's the definition of love. I don't know if we've taken the time to look at that. If we go to the love chapter, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 13, the definition of love begins with love suffers long and is kind, right? It's not a feeling, like we tell our kids, love is not a feeling. Um, it's interesting how God chose to describe love. The first thing he says about it is that it suffers long. Okay? So Romans 8, 14 to 18. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, <clears throat> then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen? So, you'll notice um, highlighted there, um, if, and then, if indeed we suffer with him. So if, just briefly, if is a, a conjunctional, conjunctional word used in English grammar or a prepositional word that brings two things together, brings two clauses, two ideas together, okay? If you do one thing, then it causes something else. And it keeps things in relationship with each other. 
the way it's used here in the text is that in order for us to be glorified together with Christ, in order for us to be considered co-heirs with Christ, we must suffer with him. Now, you've heard this probably how Jesus, you know, he was born to die, right? Um, we are born again as new believers in Christ. We come to Christ and, and adopted into that family. We're born again. Born again for what? To live this life for ourselves? To live this life of, you know, the way the world does? To fall back into our old ways? No. We're born to die to ourselves and live for Christ. Amen? So who we are now, um, whole great bunch of positions here. Sons of God, right? Children of God. A new creation. We're members of his bride. We're his bride. Uh, I'm sorry, members of his body. We're his bride. We're called saints, right? We're called saints. The Bible makes it clear that because we have a relationship with God. We are his saints. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, his inheritance, co-heirs with Christ. We're God's building, his heavenly citizens, laborers together with him, ambassadors for Christ, ministers of God, workers in his field, his household, his beloved, kings and priests. Okay, that's just a few. There are some more. Okay? Um, so this is the new position that he's put us in. Wonderful, prestigious titles, right? Um, <clears throat> blessed by the Lord. But now what? What do we do with that? Right? What do we do with those positions? Why did he put us in those positions? Is it for purposes that we think are just going to benefit other, uh, ourselves, right? Or is it a position to be more like Christ and to bless others, right? He's given us a new role. I touched it briefed on last time. And <clears throat> part of that role, whether we like it or not, is suffering. And that suffering comes in a lot of different ways. But if we are to be like Christ and be conformed to his image, which is always the end game, right? We must suffer. Now, I want to be very delicate with this because I know there are a lot of us, a lot of you that have suffered, are suffering, in the midst of suffering, going through great trials. And um, I'm not talking about that. Biblically, this is not what the text is referring to because Jesus himself said that the rain comes down on the just and the unjust, right? The sun shines on the good and the evil, okay? This is a fallen world. Things happen. We're going to go through great trials as we all understand, right? But this new position that he's put us in as a part of God's family is to suffer the way Christ has suffered. Now, I'll read this text and let's, let's just think about Christmas, all right? For a second. So Philippians 1.29 says, to few, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Right? Jesus was suffering before he even exited the womb. Mary was going through all of that stress and the shame and, and the, the confusion about being in the, uh, having a baby and, and being shunned by society. The community going to blackball her and stone her to death, right? And he's dealing with that in the womb with a mother who's stressed. With a mother that, you know, isn't sure about what's going to happen with the marriage. They were scared, right? 
he grows up with a stepfather. Okay? Let's, not, let's go back. Let's not even jump ahead so far. He has to be hidden, right? He has to flee to Egypt. He's on the run. His family's got him on the run. Herod wants to kill him from the very start. He's suffering even as a child. Okay? And his life, why he's referred to as the suffering servant, is one of suffering. And as children of God, called to be co-heirs with Christ, if we want to share in that glory, if we want to glorify him here on earth while waiting for his return because we're his followers, and if we want to share in the glory that will be revealed in us in Christ Jesus, we have to endure suffering with him the way he has. Now, the word, um, if we suffer with him, the original text, sumpasha, or sumpasho, sounds like a, a soup, I think, in the name of yeah, my mother-in-law made one song like some pasho. Um, it's from the word son and pasho to experience pain jointly, notice, okay? Or of the same kind. That's interesting, I think, because, you know, we talk about being co-heirs. We want all the good stuff at the end. We want that. We're going to be here at the end presented before the Father, equal, co-heirs. But when it comes to the suffering, that's what it's implying as well. We have to be jointly the same, understanding what it is to suffer as Christ has. Persecution, right? It's especially with persecution, to sympathize, right? Now, it was Jesus who sympathized with us in all our weaknesses, right? Sympathized and um, was tempted in all ways as we were, yet without sin, right? So he's the one suffering. He's the one who endured it. He did it for us because... We can never live the perfect life he lived, right? And in order to be that perfect sacrifice, he had to live a perfect life. We now, however, called into his family to follow him, because Jesus makes it clear that we must follow him. He makes it clear that we must remember that a disciple is, um, a servant is not above his master. Uh, a disciple is not above his teacher, right? And he said, if they, they're going to call you Beelzebub, they're going to call you... Call me Beelzebub, what do you think they're going to call you, right? He made it clear. He didn't hide it. He never said that following him was going to be an easy thing. He made it clear with John 16, 33, right? In this world you'll have trials and tribulations, but fear not, for I've overcome the world. He doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat it. Christmas is a time of hope, a time of forgiveness, a time of love, the greatest love, right? Because Jesus refers to it when he's speaking to um, Nicodemus. He gives John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. That's Christmas. Presenting his son to the world, right? But he sent him, and that for those who would believe in him, would follow him and be born again and have a new life. That life involves suffering. So John 12, 24 through 28 says, But Jesus answered them, and speaking to his disciples before he would uh, go to the cross, just about before the Last Supper, uh, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Right? 
If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So we want to be co-heirs with Christ. We want to be glorified. We want to get there and be presented to the Father, standing equal with the Lord. Well, Jesus made it clear that if you want to be where I am, you're going to have to follow me. And if you think about how Jesus lived his life, and you read the scriptures about how he suffered in so many ways, you know the first thing we think about is just the cross, right? His entire life was suffering. And suffering is a denial at times of yourself. Self-sacrifice. He did that in every way imaginable, right? If you read it closely, he wants to go up to the mountain and pray by himself and be with the Father. People have to come and be healed. What does he do? No, 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 I'll get to you later. I've got to pray. No. He makes time for them, and he goes and heals them. He wants to be alone. He wants his downtime. Right? We want that. Do we make time for each other like that? Do we put others before our own needs? Are we suffering, denying ourselves the way Jesus did? These are questions we have to ask as the body of Christ, because if we're going to be and desire all the good things that he gives us, the rewards... We have to remember to follow Christ means to suffer the way he did. So there are a couple of ways the Bible makes clear about how to suffer. Uh, one of them is suffering for righteousness sake. Right? Righteous, a fancy way of explaining to do the right thing. What is right in God's eyes. Right? According to his word. What we know to be right. The Bible says, if to him who knows what to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Right? We are to live a righteous life the way Jesus lived a righteous life. Obeying the will of the Father, doing what is pleasing to the Father. All right? We were in the men's meeting recently. We were talking about a story, you know, from Tony Evans. And um, the gist of it is that when you know your Father's watching, you're going to do everything the best you can. You're going to play your best. You're going to try your best. You know? You're going to give it your all because you know your Father's watching. And you want to please Him. Okay? So suffering for righteousness' sake... Um, all the disciples are good examples of that for different reasons, right? In different ways, you'll see um, through the Bible how they suffered. Peter um, writes to us a lot about suffering in, in the book of 1 Peter, all right? Chapter 2, 18 to 21, he says, Servants, be submissive to your masters, right? That's like you employees dealing with your employers. Be submissive to them with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, not just the nice bosses, right, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if, because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. We all work, right? Everybody can understand this a little bit, I think. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, right? For to you, I'm sorry, excuse me, for to... To this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. My father's the judge, he'll deal with it. I'm treated the wrong way, my father in heaven's going to handle it. I'm going to stay quiet, swallow it, let him take care of it. I trust him. He knows the best way to handle it. And I'm going to tell you something. If you haven't been in the body of Christ long enough, just wait. Just wait. 
Because every church is perfect until you get there. Right? And I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you from experience, because if you're a younger believer, I want you to at least gain something in advance so you might, might help you. Don't think that, you know, people are the answer and going to be perfect, all right? Don't keep your eyes on people, no matter who they are. All right? Keep your eyes on the Lord. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man, right? Let's remember that. And, and expect people to mess up the way you mess up. We've hurt each other. We have to forgive. We have to remember that our Father is the only judge, and He's watching. Let's do what we, you know, to please Him. Let's watch. Let, let's remember He's watching, and let's do it in order to please Him, not to please ourselves or others. So, Peter um, talks about suffering, and we know Paul, his situation, right? You know how he went over and over again all the times, you know, what he's endured and what he's had to endure. If you think about when Peter was, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, when Paul was blinded, right? He's knocked off his horse going to Damascus. He gets blinded. He goes to Straight Street, right? And Ananias is sent there. What does God say to Ananias? What does Jesus say to him? I will show him the things he must suffer for my name's sake. Okay? He's telling him, you're going to suffer. And Paul suffered, right? And Paul understood suffering. Every true follower of Christ suffers as Christ has. And that's really convicting. That's convicting because there's always room for us to deny ourselves more. There's always room for us to keep our mouth closed more. There's always room for us to forgive more, right? And if we are aiming to please our Father, and we remember that this calling is not just the calling of good times, it's a calling of living as Christ lived. And we want to be glorified like him. And we want to glorify him while we're here waiting for his return. Then we must endure suffering. Okay? Um, Peter would also talk about... By the way, if you go back to that, what I was talking about, um, don't just take it from those who are... He says, suffering patiently is commendable before God, suffering wrongfully, right? Where is he getting this from? Do you guys remember? Where's Peter? Where did he hear this? Jesus. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the Sermon on the Mount, right? He's talking to Jesus saying, don't just love, love, love your enemies, he's saying, right? Turn the other cheek. He's saying, if you're only nice to those who are nice to you, where's the reward, right? He says, you love those who love you, where's the reward? And this is Peter remembering what he was taught, sharing it, okay? Um, three, Peter, first Peter 3, 13 through 17. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Set him apart. All right? And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good rather than doing evil. Um... I like where Tom had always expressed this to us about everything is an opportunity. You know, um, everything's an opportunity. It's an opportunity when we're suffering wrongfully. It's an opportunity when we're being persecuted. It's an opportunity to glorify the Lord. It's an opportunity to show people that we're different than they are. It's an opportunity to be gracious and to say, I know something you don't. You know, this is temporary. I follow someone you don't know. 
And, and that's how we glorify God because we want, we want to just, you know, get rid of the bad times sometimes, just push it off and act like, oh, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, you know. And, I mean, this isn't what it's supposed to be. No. Just change the way we think about it and understand that it's our opportunity to glorify God. And if we want to be equal with Christ in heaven, we want to be considered co-heirs, then we have to endure the suffering the way he endured it. Part two, suffering for the gospel. Preach the gospel, right? Live it out. Live out the gospel, Paul tells us, that those who preach it also should live from it. Okay? We are called to treat people the way God treated us. We are called to be gracious and patient with them the way he was patient with us. I'm sure, we'll never really know this, but I'm sure Jesus was pretty comfy in heaven. You know? I'm sure that things were better being in heaven. But him understanding complete love the way it's supposed to be and knowing how to please the Father and this is the way to save us, that he would come down, knowing in advance, being omniscient, understanding in advance what he's going to endure, doing it all. Not just when he's on the cross, Father, forgive them, they know what they do. Little baby Jesus in the manger. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing. I'm suffering for you. And there's a reward with it, right? There is a reward. Now, for the gospel's sake, um, we, have to be, we have to be freely giving the way we were freely given. That's what Jesus tells us. And in 2 Timothy, you know, Paul reminds us not to be ashamed, okay? Um, of course, this is actually the second time he goes to jail, okay, during Nero's time. Um, one of, they say, the last books that he would have written, okay? It's not during the, uh, the imprisonment in Rome with Philippians and, and uh, Colossians written, right? Um, but this is a second time after. And he's still, he's still suffering. And he's suffering because he's doing it for the gospel. You stay quiet, you're not going to deal with much suffering, right? He ends up back in jail. Why? Because he didn't stop talking about the gospel. He don't stop. Okay, guess what? The whole Roman guard was saved. He would write down in the back of the letters, and guess who, guess who greets you and says thank you the most? Those of Caesar's household. An opportunity, like Tom said, right? He made the best of it. Finds himself in jail again. <laughs> because he's preaching the gospel. And he says, look, it's a holy calling, okay? Talks about, um, but according to his own, I'm sorry, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. That is the holy calling. Holy meaning to, to set us apart. People, people be sanctified, set apart, be different, not perish the way this world is going and not be, be held accountable for their sins, but set apart and be freed from that, delivered from darkness into the, the kingdom of the son of his love, right? So we are now called to share that with other people, pull them out of darkness, snatch them out of there, and let them understand there's a God who died for them, there's a God who loves them, right? And whatever the consequences bring... That's our calling. There's suffering there. You know? We can't just be content with, all right, I'm going to pray about sharing with this person. No, share with that person. How many missed opportunities did we have? We get one chance. The suffering, okay, is like I get a vision of, you know, someone in war. Okay, 2 Timothy 2.3 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
You think about a soldier in combat, you know? You think about he's exhausted, he's got nothing left, he's watching his friends get killed in front of him, right? You know, maybe you're watching people that you know were close to the Lord and you don't see them around anymore. Maybe they're not in their walk the way you saw them in their walk, right? We've got to endure that hardship, that suffering. The suffering to persist where you start saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, things ain't making sense right now. I'm not as effective in my witness as I want or, you know, I don't, I don't understand why God's got me in this circumstance. No, you must endure that hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's going to come, all right? Remember, like I said, Jesus, Jesus has moved all around as a baby to avoid being killed, just as a baby. Before he even gets to his ministry and before he's on the cross in agony, he's suffering right from the get-go. 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I just chuckled because I, I know in the past, when I was a very uh, new believer, uh, that, that line got me in a lot of arguments with other believers. <laughs> I see a few of you laughing. You probably remember what I'm talking about. But, you know, we, the, the word of God tells us um, that there will be persecution. Jesus made it clear. And he's telling us here that if you're going to live a godly life in Christ, you're going to be separate and different from everybody else. You're going to face that persecution. So again, there's, like I said before about the word if with a conjunction, with, with bringing relationships to each other. So if you're not suffering persecution, are you living a godly life in Christ? Simple semantics, right? Because it says, you're going to, if you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you'll suffer persecution. Where's your persecution? Where's your suffering? That's to make you think about, you know, it's convicting to me. I hope it is to you. Am I living a godly life? Is there sacrifice? Am I giving things up? Am I putting Christ first? Do I, am I just going to say, all right, I accepted you. I'm done. That's it. Now I'll coast through and I'll see you at the altar. I'm a co-heir. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And I'll tell you what, let's, let's, Let's look deeper into that because you know what? It's predicated off the fact that we're suffering. You want to be glorified with him? You endure the suffering. Comes in a lot of ways. But righteousness, as far as for righteousness sake, doing the right thing, being different than others, sharing the gospel. We're commanded by Jesus in the Great Commission to share the gospel. If sharing the gospel makes you lose friends, family members, gets you affected at your job, whatever the case may be, Paul ended up back in prison. Keep doing it. Right? Suffering in the flesh. Probably the most common, I would say, to all believers, in just my opinion, um, and it touched on there, not my will but yours be done. Right? Hmm. Our flesh. This weak, you know, Tito always reminding us when we talk about how, you know, we're in this flesh. <laughs> We've got to fight this flesh. Okay? If you're a Christian, you know you're fighting the flesh. I don't think... I think, I'll tell you, for me personally, I don't have so much a hard time doing the right thing. For the most part. You know what I mean? I'm not being pompous. I'm saying I can handle that a lot better. I can preach the gospel a lot better. But my flesh is weak. You know? And this is a constant. This is a constant. You're always battling that flesh, the Bible tells us. Right? Paul would say the spirit and the flesh wrestle against each other so you don't do what you want to do. Right? You have the Holy Spirit in you if you are a believer in Christ. Well, guess what? Now you have to obey the spirit and turn away from the flesh. That's what you have to do. 1 Peter 5.10. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory, he's called us there by Christ Jesus, 
after you have suffered a while, again, the two clauses together, suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So he's saying, after you're suffering, don't worry. He's doing it, working all things for your good. He's going to perfect you. He's going to show it up in a lot of ways. There's going to be opportunities throughout your whole life, and you'll walk with, with the Lord. He's going to establish you. He's going, to set, he's going to get you strengthened and settle you in there. You know, understanding that, okay, wait a minute. Now I see. This was happening for a reason. You exposed this part of mine. You pulled back the onion, all these layers. I didn't even know I had it in there all the way deep down. We got through that layer, Lord. Now there's more to peel. Right? And the onion burns your eyes, right? It makes you smits a smell and that you won't forget. And it hurts, man. It stays with you. You know? But he's perfecting us. Yes, he's establishing, strengthening, and settling us, okay? All the way as we bear our cross, just like Jesus' whole life until he gets to the cross. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, right? For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For some of us, maybe that means just not drinking alcohol anymore. I don't know. I was blessed that the Lord took that taste out of my mouth. Praise God. I don't have, that's not one of my battles anymore. I'm not tempted by it. I'm not overcome by it. And for others, maybe it's, you know, just holding their tongue when someone, instead of getting the last word in. You know, that's your flesh. Say that last word. Keep that argument going. No, but I'm right. Well, suffer. I know we all laugh. We all relate to it. Exactly. But the flesh is weak, Jesus said, right? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, and I think Jesus, he, he clearly understood that. And he was talking about that when he saw the uh, Peter and then them praying in the garden. So suffering to glory. That they may glorify your Father in heaven, right? That's just taken from Matthew um, 5.16. Let your light shine, right? So they may see before men. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, right? The suffering is, is to, to glorify the Lord, to glorify God. The opportunities to show how good God is and how he's worked in our life, how he's changed us, transformed us, renewed our thinking, how he's given us that opportunity to say, you represent me, you're an ambassador of Christ. Remember all the titles. Remember all the different words that we have, right? You're called all kinds of things, ministers of the new covenant, right? Workers in the field, ambassadors for Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. So live new. Jesus was born as a baby. He had, he's eternal. He's the living word of God. He took on flesh, right? Okay? He took on flesh. He was born again, in a sense, right? He's humanity. He's born. We are born again. We are to live a new life. And he said, look, about the suffering. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? He's saying on the road to Emmaus, right? He's talking and he's explaining to them. He's going through the, the Old Testament. And he's telling them, this is what was necessary, right? If I want to enter into glory, this is what I had to do. He made no mistakes about it. 1 Corinthians 15, about the resurrected body, okay, uh, verses 47 to 49. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is, of the, is, is the Lord, excuse me, from heaven, all right? This, he's referred to as the second Adam as well, Jesus, right? The first Adam couldn't do it right. We can't do it right. We have that Adam G DNA in us. We mess up all the time. Second Adam, Jesus got it right. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. 
And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Right? There's hope. That's the hope of Christmas. That's the hope of Christmas. We will put off this, Paul says. I'll put off, the, and I'll put off this tent, right? We're out of here. This is not the end. Our hope for Christmas as a Christian is very different than the world is. Okay? And if you don't understand that hope about your glorified body and about who you are in Christ, then start searching your relationship with the Lord. Just search your relationship with the Lord. Be honest with him. Come clean. Because guess what? It's not, it's not everything, all the wonderful blessings that he's given us here now. You know? It's that glorious entering into his kingdom when his, upon his return. Right? That redemptive body. And this, this is why. Revelations 21, 3, 5. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Right? True and faithful. The suffering comes to an end. We understand, right? We know what happened. Three days in the tomb. It's not the end of the story. Right? It's not the end of the story. I don't like using movies and, and, and pictures um, and getting visuals um, so much. I don't like shows about Jesus so much. Um, I've got turned off to that through the years personally because I saw that it wasn't helping me get closer to the Lord. It was just changing my views of things. And, and, and if it's steering away from what the Bible says, then I don't want to do that. Um, but sometimes a word picture is, is you know, so sometimes a picture you know, can really emphasize things for us, right? And we all know this. We're all familiar with this. And but just take that in, that if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. It's a lot of suffering on the cross. He endured a lot of agony, right? He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. 1 John 2.6. Is that how we're walking? Are we bearing our cross? What did Jesus say? Something like, well, whoever wants to follow me must pick up his cross daily and follow it and follow me, right? Daily? Daily. Pick up your cross daily and follow. Not only Jesus gets the cross. He took care of the cross for us. We have our own cross to bear following him. And we got to pick it up daily. And in, in understanding that because he's already given us that position and through his spirit, the ability to overcome the suffering and the peace to be in the suffering in the midst of it, He'll be with us. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Okay? We can then share in that glory, that glorious return. We'll be there, presented to the Father, without spot, without wrinkle, no shame. But look, if we are with Christ and we're abiding in Him, we're going to be walking as He is. If we're going to live, if we're going to follow Him closely, we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer in the ways we talked about. But Jesus, you know, his cross and how he bore it for us 
Okay? The perfect sacrifice. I don't want us to, I want us to remember that it's not just that. We don't, we, don't, we don't just speed up and get to the cross and say, look how Jesus suffered for me. Jesus suffered every step of the way. His entire walk, his entire life is one of suffering. He was born to suffer, born to die, born to give his life up. And he did it in every little way that we can do it too. Making time for each other. Forgiving easily. How many times did you read in the scriptures? He says to them, you know, how, much, how long can, must I bear with you? He says, right? Where's your faith? In this humanity, you sense, Jesus, this is not easy, right? He's, he understands that, wow, the flesh is weak. And he suffers with, each, with others around him. We are to suffer with each other as the body of Christ because we're walking with him and he's our example. But we are to endure, we're to persevere. And Christmas, as a Christian, as a born-again believer, is a reminder that we are to live a life the way Jesus came to live a life. You know, are we suffering with him for his sake? Are we willing to get made fun of? Are we willing to be the only one in the room talking about Jesus, right, for the gospel's sake? Do we care enough about that person to share the gospel with them? Or are we just happy because we're saved? You know, for righteousness sake, doing the right thing when no one else does? I look, I've missed a lot of opportunities with all of these. I know we have. But let's, let's remember that there's, there are new opportunities. Okay? There'll be new opportunities. And with Jesus, we have that forgiveness. We have the indwelling spirit as a born-again believer. And we have the power to endure and, and go through the suffering so that one day we will be glorified and in the process we will glorify the Lord during our, during our suffering. We'll glorify him with our actions. I want to close by just pointing out that when Jesus gives a report card or a rebuke to the seven churches, okay, there are only two churches that he does not rebuke. Only two of the seven. One is Smyrna. The other is Philadelphia. Now Smyrna is the church that he recognized suffered. They suffered. They were persecuted. They went through tribulations. They were in poverty. And he actually says in the text, but you are rich. You're not poor. That church went through all the suffering and the persecution compared to the other churches. And he tells them, don't be afraid. Be faithful. Continue enduring the suffering. Okay? Philadelphia is the second one. They were faithful. They kept his word. He doesn't rebuke Philadelphia either. Because they're faithful. They don't deny him. They keep his word. And they continue in their walk, regardless of what's going on around them. His message to them is to continue that, doing that. Persevere. If, those were the, if that was the embodiment of the churches that he did not rebuke, that tells me that he was pleased with those churches and they were doing the right thing. The other churches had positive things. They were doing good things. They were, in certain ways, obeying the Lord. Other ways not. He rebuked them. But the church that suffered, that faced persecution, that endured, that persevered, that was faithful and kept his word, he had no rebuke for. Because that's what we're called to do. See? That's what we're called to do. That's why he doesn't rebuke them. 
Because that's the church. That's how he expects his body to live. That's the body of Christ. And I'll tell you what, I think, you know, we can all be convicted about that in a lot of ways. Um, but be cheerful about it. Remember John sixteen thirty three. He's overcome the world for us. He's done it for us. But if we're willing to give up our lives, bear our cross, if we're willing to live the life that Jesus lived, remember why he came and what he did while he was here. And that is our example. And we know our Heavenly Father is watching. By the power of his Spirit, we'll be able to do that. You know? And we'll do it more and more. And it'll get easier and easier. And we'll fall, yes. It'll always be on the righteousness and the blood of Jesus that we're saved. Make no mistake about it. But we will be closer to the Lord because we'll be abiding in him. Amen?